We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So the 2023 NFL Draft, technically speaking, as we sit here live just after six o'clock on Saturday, the 29th has not yet come to a close, but it will certainly by the time we're finished up with this instant reaction episode to day three. So welcome into the vault. I'm Bobby Trossett alongside my co-host and partner, Sarah Ellison. And I had this whole plan off the top right before we were about to come on. I was going to say, Sarah, imagine the folks who had on their bingo card that the Ravens would actually zag when other teams <laughs> would zig when it comes to the draft instead of vice versa. But then that had to be blown up because literally minutes before we, we pressed live, the Ravens traded back into the seventh round by using a sixth round pick in 2024, giving that to Cleveland so that they could go up and get a guard. We'll get into all that more, but uh, a little bit of improv for me <laughs> off the top here from an intro standpoint, because again, the Ravens did not stand Pat and Daniel Jeremiah, wherever you are right now, former Raven scout, NFL network analyst, you have been spared. Yeah, yeah, he literally just tweeted because the Ravens obviously at the end of the sixth round when the when the picks were all gone, the Ravens team account, you know, tweets, uh, uh-oh, and then has the video of him telling the guys on the lounge that if if Eric DeCosta didn't add any draft picks, that he would eat a piece of paper. And so, yeah, there it is, there it is. And he's like, oh, I'm off the hook. And then my favorite to that is um is uh, Ian Rappaport retweeting the Ravens saying, you know, adding old takes exposed. <laughs> like it literally, it literally lasted for like less than an hour and then it was an old take exposed. And by the way, I also tagged Jenna Jeremiah and was like, hey, when you eat a piece of paper, can you do it on live TV? So I've been exposed. Everybody's been exposed. <laughs> Don't question Daniel Jeremiah is the, is the lesson today. <laughs> What's hysterical about it is that the press conference has already been done. It's complete, right? With David Blackburn, Eric DaCosta, and Joe Hortiz. So you're thinking, well, the draft is still going on. So I'm like, they, I mean, they got to be done, right? And then literally, it, it couldn't have been more than 15, 20 minutes after the press conference finished up where they went and made this move. So uh, a hilarious finish. Who knows? We'll, we'll be, I have my, 
I have a double screen in front of me right now. Just so you know, I have my iPad in front of me. Uh, see, yeah. see, if you're wondering, Seattle is on the clock right now at 237 overall. So let's just see how things shake out. But we have a lot of analysis, a lot of recap, a lot of reaction to get to from not just day three, uh, but big picture stuff from the 2023 NFL draft as a whole. We'll take a look at this six player class as it currently stands right now. And also what's going to be forthcoming this week for the Ravens, because we both get the sense that they're going to be busy specifically continuing to team build post draft. So where would you like to begin? Well, I first want to do, um, I just first want to talk about Eric DaCosta um, and even zoom out more. I do have a take on this draft class itself, uh, but I want to zoom out a little bit more and just, yeah, Eric DaCosta, obviously for two years, has been negotiating this stuff with with Lamar Jackson. I know that we we got comments all the time. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of, of this. You know, but we're we're a daily show, and we we have to cover it. You know, <laughs> like we we're a daily show that covers Lamar Jackson, and and so we we covered all the the ins and outs of it. And so for really this last month to go from to go from John Harbaugh and all those guys at the owners meetings and Lamar Jackson, um, you know, doing a tactic to try to get the, the, the contract that he wanted, which is a smart business move. You know, he throws out that tweet just as John Harbaugh is sitting down. So you go from that moment where he's publicly requesting a trade to now today to where the Ravens have Lamar Jackson locked in, locked in for five years. They have Odell Beckham jr. They got Zay Flowers with their first round pick. Plus you have this entire draft class. And so I feel like Eric has really just able within the last month to pull off magic. And I think he has made this roster and this team into a legitimate force in the AFC that teams are going to have to contend with. And, you know, before this last week, everybody was yelling at him and, going to be like you're going to be the guy known who who let go of Lamar Jackson and instead you know he was able to turn around that entire narrative I've seen apology letters you know out on Twitter and other social networks and so just a and we don't know what's going to happen this year we'll see always these things you see how well all these moves work once the the season comes but as we stand here at the end of April end of the draft you have to tip your cap I have to tip my cap to Eric DaCosta and for all the work that he's done. And uh, I hope he's able to spend the day tomorrow with Lacey and his kids and just sit back and enjoy things. I know he's still, believe me, he's not leaving yet. They've got the undrafted class going on. He's probably got dozens of guys as soon as the draft is over. They're going to be making phone calls. So he's not done yet today, but they'll be locking in guys by, by the end of today. And uh, I hope he and Lacey and the family are able to take a nice Sunday off before he gets back to work and signs <clears throat> a couple of veteran cornerbacks. Yeah, they're going to take Sunday off. He said at least, and I don't know what tonight looks like for them. They're probably going to go immediately to maybe some of the, the undrafted work, like you said. Uh, and then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll think about, and we'll talk about, you know, what could be coming up next week in terms of a potential Lamar Jackson press conference, potential cornerback signing. You know, I think they leave the draft probably still wanting to sign a, a veteran who can be like the, the, the plug and play starter opposite Marlon Humphrey, I would think, unless they feel super confident about, you know, some of the guys that are on this roster, but we can get to that in just a bit. And, and, you know, 
Eric said it a couple times now in back-to-back -back press conferences yesterday and today, it's going to be really difficult to make this team. And I don't know if, and so they obviously feel great about their depth. They feel great about what they've done roster construction wise, but I don't know what that means for undrafted rookies, you know, like moving forward, it's been a staple in Baltimore. You know, I thought Jonas Schaefer brought up an interesting point, like what NIL, you know, this, the, this whole NIL era that we're living in, in college athletics, what's, what's the way that's changed the landscape. And, um, more importantly, just how deep and, and um, re really, uh, the amount of depth that this roster has top down. I, I do wonder what it means for undrafted rookies. So anyway, that's a conversation for, for the coming weeks, but here is a look courtesy of Jamison Hensley's roundup tweet here at a glance, the 2023 draft class for the Ravens, of course, headlined by Zay flowers, wide receiver out of Boston college. Just heard David Blackburn, the director of uh, college scouting for the Ravens rave about Zay and what he what he's going to be able to do and, and just how special of a player he is. That was super, certainly interesting to hear. And then Trenton Simpson, the, the lone day two pick, Sarah, that we covered extensively yesterday in terms of what that means for Patrick Queen's immediate future in Baltimore. As we sit here again, live, 240 now in the draft, Jacksonville's on the clock. They have not traded the Ravens have Patrick Queen, and they more than likely won't at least on draft weekend. We'll see what the coming days, if not weeks, look like there. Uh, Tavius Robinson goes in the fourth round, an outside linebacker from Ole Miss. In the fifth round, Caillou Blue Kelly, a cornerback from Stanford. Sixth round, how about this? I got to pull up my pronunciation that I left my, my for myself here. This is going to be fun all year long. I think about Jerry Sandusky, honestly, for, for this one. But uh, <laughs> Mal Malisol... Um, Man, I haven't even practiced this, honestly, but I have the pronunciation in front of me. Let me get it here. Okay. Malisol. Malisol Ola Muvai Lalu'ulu. I just like a, absolutely yeah. botched that. That was terrible. This is like a behind the scenes look of what we do for these for the morning vaults, but like we have like several tries because we can edit it out until we actually get it. <laughs> that was so bad. I, I kind of wondered because when it, in some places they just call it seemed like people abbreviated it to Sala. So I wonder if that's like his okay. nickname. So I hope I'm not doing that wrong, but today I kind of want to refer him to Sala. <laughs> Let me, let me just try to, I, I, I feel terrible about what I just put on okay, tape. Do it so again. Let me try Here we go, again. Bobby. Take okay. two. Okay. Let's go, let's go name by name here because we got to get through three of them. So <laughs> Malaisala, Malaisala. That's what I'm looking at. Malaisala, Malaisala. Okay. That's that Malaisala. I feel pretty good about that. Okay. Second part is and I'm going back and forth between the two pages here, which is a little challenging. A movie, Malaisala, a movie. Are we going V or Vi? I always feel like it's Vi when I hear okay. kind of more Polynesian. Malaisala, okay. Malaisala, a movie, Laulu. Laula. 
All right, one more time, then we're going to move forward here. Malaisala, Amuvai, Laulu. Bang. I mean, it sounds good to me. <laughs> we got somebody in here saying chicken marsala. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so what are we going to call him? Can we call him MAL today? Oh, hey, what's up? Yeah, Femi's in here? What's up, fam? Um, Eric right. just an, announced, uh, by the way, Eric, EDC just released a statement on their uh, seventh oh, rounder here, Andrew Voorhees. And so I'll read that. that really quickly. Yeah. What's that? I said, good, because we didn't get yeah, to so, ask him about him at the, at the presser. So go ahead. That's what's so funny about the timing, you know? So, so he ended up releasing the, the following statement. Andrew is a player who we've admired and the opportunity to trade back in to get him was too appealing. We are getting a tough and physical competitor who is polished and experienced. We have every expectation that he will be playing winning football for us in 2024. Keep in mind there in 2024. Yeah. And this is a move that really solidified our line for the coming years. So let's start to tell his story a little bit for those who don't know. And we're just learning this as well. Uh, he tore his ACL and then he shows up to the combine anyway, though, and reps. I think he put up 38 reps. I actually have the video of it. So let's cut to that right now. Oh, yeah. uh, Andrew Borges, University of Southern California. Minus one rep, 38, 38 reps. What's up, NFL fans? Andrew Voorhees here. Just got done with the bench press. Knocked out 38 reps. Super excited. Proud of my performance. Uh, looking forward to the future. Okay, so some, yeah, for real. Just just some housekeeping here because I, I kind of transitioned into that um, inaccurately. He tore his ACL at the combine and then proceeded to do that post-ACL tear. So he just put up 38 reps with not only a brace on, but with a torn ACL. And so the Ravens went and got this guy again, as Jeff notes here on the screen, they traded back into the seventh round. The Ravens did after their press conference, wrapping up the three days of the 2023 NFL draft to go and get their guard from USC, Andrew Voorhees. He was a five-year starter in college, but again, tore his ACL at the NFL scouting combine and still did what you just watched him do. And uh, it's pretty, pretty, pretty sensational there, Sarah. And, and, you know, with, with the tackle on the board, right. For, for, um, um, Malaisala, he had played some guard 
at Oregon here and there, but mostly he's a developmental tackle. Now they get their guard for the future potentially uh, in Andrew. Well, I think it's like a, it's like another David Ajabo situation, right? Where the Ravens, uh, David Ajabo was, was top 10 value and uh, you get him in the second round. And then this is the year that we're supposed to like see that payoff. Eric DeCosta making a, uh, you know, a smart, a smart move for the future uh, by finding a top 10 talent in the second round. And so I don't know what he would have projected. What do you know what he was projected to be where he would have gone? Maybe some of these, uh, some of our, our listeners do where be- yeah, before I have he- seen some on that. Okay. So before he ripped his ACL at the, the combine, where was he projected to go? What round? I saw one tweet from a blue check mark account that I'm remembering. Can't remember who it was specifically three or four yeah third or fourth round yeah so then the ravens essentially gave up a future sixth round pick for that um right because you said they traded in they used a future six to get back in the seventh right yeah here it is the trade terms right there in the middle of the screen for our audio only listeners the ravens traded their 2024 sixth round selection to cleveland in exchange for cleveland's seventh rounder this year pick 229 overall to go and get Andrew. He was the highest graded offensive lineman in the Pac-12 since 2021 with a 91.6 grade. And uh, again, just happened to be there because of the unfortunate news, right? Uh, it was it was yeah. David Ajabo's pro day last year at Michigan, to your point. And it was the combine for Andrew this year that just derailed these guys. And uh, hopefully David's going to be able to do this year what Andrew's going to have a chance to do in 2024. Exactly. And, and you know what, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm Andrew, I'm the Ravens have done this a couple of times (laughs) now where they like get David Ajabo. And then um, I don't know why his name always slips my mind, the tackle from the Broncos that the Ravens picked up, sign him to a two-year deal that actually ended up not working out because anyway, but the Ravens have done this. uh, Yes, yes, exactly. And uh, by the way, that's the guy that I was referring to that went down at MetLife Stadium turf yet last night that I needed. I was trying to remember. Remember, oh, it was Kyle okay. Fuller, yeah. Kyle Fuller against the Jets week one, and then Jawan James a few weeks after that against the Giants, also at MetLife Stadium. So sorry, go ahead. Stop playing in New Yorker. And I was about to say, by the way, I was working at the Ravens when they decided to move from turf at MT Bank Stadium to grass, and players were like a massive proponent. And this is what I like yeah. about the Ravens. I remember Dick Cass was the president. He's like, oh, yeah, that's what the players want. We're going to do it. You know, it's a massive investment, obviously, but um, you always invest in the players. So it's it's good for Andrew to be able to be with the team, to to rehab, to not feel like you're off on your own, doing it on your own, and then hoping to, to land somewhere. So, uh, yeah, that'll, that'll be great. And we'll, you know, obviously circle back in. And then he'll be a guard candidate, as you said, in 2024. Who knows where we'll be at that point. But he'll be one of those in the – and then in the mix to, to play in 2024. But, but what's to, interesting to, about this is that fin- you can finish that. No, I was going to go back to like a big picture of the whole draft. Cause I just talked about EDC big picture, but then I was going to draft, but finish your thought on Andrew. Okay. So let's say they stayed Pat and we're, we're content with five total picks. What does that mean about what they're envisioning the left guard competition to be like, is it Ben Cleveland's job to lose, you know, and specifically when you look at the depth chart, which again, we, we can get to, we should get to that big picture talk in just a second here. Cause this is not, I would say 
top priority, but I just wanted to pull off the, I have a um, screenshot of the depth chart. And I thought it's at least a good conversation to have in terms of take a look at the, at the guard depth. There isn't any behind Ben Cleveland, <laughs> at least on, on this, at the left guard slot, right guard has Kevin Zeitler and John Simpson. So clearly there's going to be somebody coming in, but I just wonder. Well, and there's guys that obviously that can play in a few different positions. Right. And so um, you have Patrick Ricard, either being able to be a starter, which I know that's not what they prefer. They still want him to be. McCary, you the, mean? Yes, Patrick McCary, not Patrick Ricard. Uh, <laughs> McCary. Ricard, maybe he could do it. He's got a big enough body. I don't know. But, yeah, no, McCary is a guy that um, could obviously start there, but I think they prefer him as, like, a super sub for all five spots. So there's McCary. There was talk, although this – you hate to hear this talk because that's not why they drafted him, but you were – talking about maybe Daniel Falele being able to play guard. Uh, but that's that's too bad because then that just means he's not really cutting it as a tackle, so that's not the best news. Uh, but I guess my point is, is there's other guys on here that can do it. Uh, and then obviously you also have – I'm not going to try to pronounce his name like you did because you had the pronunciation guide, but I will practice it. So I'm going to call him M-A-L, okay, his, his, his initials there. So M-A-L obviously is also a tackle, but um, – uh, he played some guard uh, at Oregon, and then we heard um, – I can't remember if it was Eric DaCosta or Joe Ortiz. One of those guys just said at the at the press conference that, you know, they let Joe, the, the offensive line coach, kind of get his hands on him. But they definitely see guard as, as potential. So why they didn't want to commit to that today, here and now, that's what my guess is, is that he'll he'll be the name behind Ben Cleveland there. Anyway, why don't we get back to the big picture, where, the direction that you were headed in? I just wanted that was at the top of mind, and we'll go back to that the the depth chart both on both sides of the football at some point throughout this live stream. So, because uh, you know that especially when we when we start talking cornerback, but where we, where did you want to go with big picture stuff? Yeah, so just now the big picture of like when you when you look at, and I was going to say this even before I think Jamison Hensley asked Eric what he thought the theme was. I had already written down. I I've got a card on my big picture stuff and then a card on each one of these guys. Um, been trying to do my, my homework today, but, but the theme and it's, you can almost say this is the theme most years, but this, I think it sticks out throughout the draft this year. And it is just best player available, best player available, best player available. And Eric DaCosta just talked about how when you have more picks, right? So there's been years where he has 10 or 11. When you have more picks, he was saying you can veer a little bit because you've got more opportunities. And so you can reach a little bit for need or, or whatever. And he's like, with five, I can't look back on this and be like, well, I really needed this need at the time. And then you look back and it's like the guy didn't make it in the league. And so he said, lit, like, this is before they got Andrew Voorhees, but he was like, if you look at all five of these guys, he's like, we really do believe that they can become starters, right? And so obviously we had the big debate um, last night uh, about Trenton Simpson and what that means for, for, for Patrick Queen. And it, and it was by the end of the night, it was like, this was the best player available strategy here. And it doesn't necessarily mean anything for Patrick Queen this year. It definitely will long-term, but it doesn't necessarily mean anything this year in my view. And so I think it started with that. And then you look at Zay Flowers and they said 
that Zay was literally their top rated wide receiver. And then they put, you know, they made all the draft, all the scouts come in. They said, here's eight guys that we think will be around there. Who are you going to put number one? They had unanimously put Zay Flowers number one of that list. And then you see it again. So then you're like, all right, well, then finally get a corner in the fourth round. Nope, went for an outside linebacker. And then so it just kept it just kept going. And so um, so that's I mean, it just is very much. It was just like he Eric had to be disciplined with only having five turned out to be six. But he had to be disciplined and stay with best player available if he had a chance to 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 get starters out of this group. Yeah. No, I, th- I think that's a good point. And, uh, you know, they, they did, they did get a corner, right. And Caillou blue Kelly from Stanford, the first ever drafted Stanford player in the history of the Ravens, which is an interesting fact. Uh, again, that was a fifth round pick 157th overall. And Sarah, you know, I was wondering, I was kind of walking over to the studio and I was thinking to myself, man, I've been sort of sounding the alarm bells ever since catching up with Emery hunt from football game plan about the depth of the cornerback class. And like, I guess you could make an argument because they took one in the fifth round that that could be the case. But the, on the, on the flip side of things, you could also say, man, they, they, they had three players, you know, in the first third and fourth rounds respectively, where they went in a different direction. Yes. To your point, they went best player available and they were willing to die on that sword. They haven't died yet. Um, <laughs> so I guess there's an argument to be made, right. About, just how deep was this cornerback class? And is Kelly a guy that's expected to play at some point this year? You know, and, and I guess that's probably a good place to start. Well, I, I, I don't know. I think he's going to have some fierce competition. I mean, Eric also made it clear that that he's going to sign a veteran. He, I mean, oh, he yeah. didn't say it in those terms, but he's like, yeah you know, we have, we're going to have opportunities over the next coming weeks. And then he also made the point that although you kind of have to do this, cause you always have to give a hat tip for the guys that are on your team. But I, so he was like, and don't forget, he goes, I think it's a fair point to say that we've got two young, I think they're both fourth rounders in Pepe Williams and Jalen Armour Davis who got injured. But this is the part where it's not just this is the part of the quote that wasn't just like, oh, I got to mention them like they've been doing all week for James Prochet and Tylen Wallace and and Devin Duvernay, where he got a little bit more. I thought the the quote was a little bit more interesting as he said, um, he said, if those two guys were in this draft and to your point, everybody's been talking about how deep this draft is. He goes, if those two guys were in this draft, we still would have picked them in the exact same spot. So I think that was like him being like, we believe in the, these guys perhaps more than you guys are giving credit. And that's why last night I said, after the Ravens didn't get a corner in the third round, I said, listen, at this point, now you're just adding in more late rounders with Pepe and Jalen. That's not what I was thinking they needed. I thought they needed a blue chip guy in round one. And when that didn't happen, then it's like you're you're getting more Jalen Armour Davis and, and Pepe Williams, and maybe they will turn out to be great. I just didn't feel like they need more of that. So will will Caillou? Okay, so Caillou Blue Kelly will he play? He's gonna start as they do with all rookies, almost all rookies, at the end of the depth chart, and the depth chart's gonna be super deep if they do indeed bring in Rocky Sin and or. Uh, Marcus Marcus Peters 
And he made the point again, we need a lot of corners. He's like, it's the fastest way to lose in this league is just by having corners go down. So, but, so will he play? I don't know, but you're bringing up his uh, relative athletic score. So let's go through that. Yeah. I mean, you look at it right there and coming in at uh, 191, 62. Uh, look at the 40, you know, look, look at the 44, 52. I mean, he's got, he's got good ball skills. He's got some speed. You know, overall score of eight eight seven five, hand size of 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 nine seven five, decent arm length. So I, I think what probably everybody's talking about the most with him is is just how much of a an interesting guy he is. You know, he's sort of an entrepreneur. His father played in the league, and uh, listen to some of his ventures outside of football. Yeah, um, believe it or not, it's pretty cliche. My dad, <laughs> my dad. Um, it was funny for the video game. Uh, we have a friend of ours who was creating a movie that's going to come out, and it's based on what the video game is based on. And he introduced it to my dad, and I play video games, so my dad. They both knew nothing about video games, and he was like, you know, my son plays a lot of video games, and he was like, how you can you create a story, like a storyboard or a log or some type of lore for this game, and figure out a story based behind it. And I just sat down, like, maybe a few hours, created a whole storyboard, characters, and stuff like that. And they gave it to um, the company, and they really liked it. So that game's still in progress. Uh, we're still figuring that out. It'll definitely be coming out soon with the movie and everything. Um, and real estate, um, once again, my dad, uh, believe it or not, um, he's definitely doing real estate development right now. He got his own development company out in Vegas. And... I was blessed to be at Stanford to do um, internships with venture capitalists and private equities and um, real estate firms alike. And just being around it with my dad, seeing it around, there's something I would just want to dive into throughout this whole process in the NFL and after. On the video game, what's the, sorry, what's, what is the game or, or movie or, or at least what's it based in? Uh, I can't, I can't talk too much about the movie, but the video game is, if you can think of uh, like a SEAL Team 6 that travels back in time to stop people from trying to change historic events. So let's say somebody trying to redirect, uh, I'm saying too much, but yeah, that's the, that's the, <laughs> that's the whole scope. No, it's just like a time talking. travel SEAL Team 6. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine that was his dad being like, yo. <laughs> yeah. Kind of an interesting guy, right? Like he's, yeah, yeah. like he's, he's developed a video game for Microsoft in summary. And he said it's about a SEAL team that travels back in time to stop people from trying to change historical events. So anyway, we have a lot to learn in terms of uh, what he is like off the field, but we'll turn to Spencer Schultz, who, who's been covering him on Twitter. And, uh, and, and he wrote that, you know, he started in parts as a freshman and sophomore before taking over full-time the last two years at Stanford in the fifth round, the Ravens find a corner who fits the physical press trope doesn't have a ton of recovery speed, but can mirror in soft shoe at the line of scrimmage well, and has smooth transitions out of press and into his pedal if need be. So some good football junkie stuff there from, from Spenny. And uh, we did try to get Spencer and or Cole on, but, it's how it is. I mean, th th after three days, people kind of want to like to use a term I asked Roquan about, right? Like let their hair down, enjoy, you know, enjoy the weekend or whatever. So um, anyway, that's, that's who they go with. The first ever Stanford player drafted to Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah. The first ever, which by the way, it looks like it's the only team in the NFL that hadn't drafted from Stanford. 
until today. So that was crazy. If you want to, I don't know. Um, there's some, some pretty good video of um, Caillou going toe to toe with Jordan Addison uh, in a game against USC. Um, some, some good looking stuff there. Obviously stayed in his hip pocket was disruptive at the, at the line. I couldn't tell one time cause the camera's so far out if Jordan slipped or if he just knocked him off his router or whatever. But I mean, he was right there with Jordan Anderson. And then when David Blackburn was asked about, uh, Caillou Kelly, uh, at the, at the press conference, he said what, when he first popped off was back in 2021 and he went head to head with Drake London. Okay. Who's, who's, you know, top 10. He said he was just like, he more than held his own against somebody like that. So, uh, so that was good. He said he referred to him as having a high floor, right? So to me, it's like, you're not expecting massive things out of him or, or whatever, but to have a high floor means to me that you're going to get consistency. You're going to get a guy that isn't going to make big mistakes and, you know, just could be consistent at what he does. Trying to see here if I had any other notes. Yeah, that's that's everything I had seen there. But but yeah, obviously the Ravens love press coverage and he can do that and and uh and he can play zone. Let's keep working our way through the twenty twenty three draft class. We've we've hopped around a little bit because of the timing, right? Like the seventh rounder and Andrew Vorey's that they went out to get, you know, they <laughs> traded back to get was essentially like first in terms of like the order of of this episode because of, of when it happened minutes before we went on. And then yeah. we went to Kelly because of the corner conversation. And, um, and we went to Zay obviously at the top because he's the headliner and then MAL because of his <laughs> pronunciation nightmare, right? The Jerry Sandusky's probably already got his flashcards. Speaking of flashcards, he's probably got them in front of him right now. And he's getting ready. Like Malasalia. Um, let's see. Malaysia. It's driving me nuts. Malaisala Amuvai Laulu. Malaisala Amuvai Laulu. I think that's it. I, I, I wish I could confirm. It. I wish I could confirm if that was it. I'm going to have to listen to some games and, and hear the anyway. answers say it. Yeah. You are determined. <laughs> I will give you that. Around. We've been hopping around, right? With Trenton Simpson, of course, because of the Patrick Queen uh, factor and, and and implications there. So let's let's give our guy Tavius Robinson a little bit of love here. The edge rusher out of Ole Miss, the fourth round pick, 124th overall. Here he is, somebody that, uh, again, you know, he, he, hey, he's gonna he's gonna be able to compete. The guy's measurables are through the friggin' roof. Here they are, the relative athletic score, six six. Sarah, 6'6", 257, a 466 he ran in the 40. The guy's a freak of nature. He's a freak of nature. Um, <laughs> I liked it when Eric DaCosta was like, he's huge. And he's like, you're going to see when he gets here. Like, he's just, he's huge. Um, I think, uh, if I remember correctly, when they, when the, Media asked him who he looks up to. I thought he said Crosby, and he mentioned his motor. And then uh, listening to the Ravens talk about Tavius, they were like, this dude's got a motor. So he takes a lot of pride in, like, never quitting, just, like, just never relentless, just this relentless um, defensive end, outside linebacker. Uh, has a, that's a Ravens mentality run to the ball. You always get there. You never give up. So um, now he does have some flexibility. Um, 
where he can play a little bit inside and outside. And that's why I was, it was good to hear Eric DaCosta himself comped him to Zadarius Smith and kind of talked about, you know, that flexibility of being able to, uh, you know, rush the passer from the outside, but also, you know, can do it from the inside. So has lots of, and, and then he liked that because he was like, you know, you can kind of, you can mess, you can mess with a, with an offense if you're able to move around. Well, he said that about, I think Simpson too. Um, so, so yeah, I, once he, once he gave the comp to, to Zadarius Smith, and this is like, you know, Zadarius, you know him really well. So, um, that's nice to hear that comp. And was there, Zadarius was a fourth rounder too, right? I have to go back and look. I'm pretty sure he's, because I think, um, I think that, uh, Matthew Judon was fifth and Zadarius was, was fourth. And I want to look it up now just because I want to know if I was right. Yeah, you do that. And, you know, meanwhile, Tavius, I mean, coming off an absolute career year, you know, cementing him into, you know, where the Ravens wanted to snag him so much so that it was almost like a value pick kind of thing, you know, and uh, seven total sacks, six tackles for loss in 2022. And again, those rare measurables that we just mentioned a second ago, six, six with a nearly 34 inch arm size so uh, is it a fourth round for Zadarius not only was it a fourth round but Zadarius was picked number 122 almost Tavius was 124 and I'm getting confirmation here that I remembered correctly it was Max Crosby that he likes to model his name game after and that's and that's a pretty dang good guy to model your game off of he he is an absolute force and then uh, Dev, who we've mentioned before on the vault from Ravens Twitter, as you see her on the screen, uh, kind of to your point along the lines of, of Zedarius, even Purnell involved here. Yeah. Uh, Robinson sounds like the Ravens version of Purnell McPhee or Zedarius Smith. It's something I wanted, a hybrid edge who can put his hand down, but also give you something outside. Heavy hands. They have no answer for that type of player on the roster currently. So clearly it filled the void. They went defensive hard on, on day two, obviously with their lone pick. And they began day three going after uh, Tavius Robinson. So that's where currently, you know, things stand right there. And um, man, it's going to be fun to kind of sink our teeth into, into these guys in the coming days. And, and as we start yeah. to profile them all week long, I mean, look, you know, we bottom line is Sarah and I only have so much time on our hands, you know, and when you're doing daily content, it's not like we've had weeks and weeks and weeks to know these guys in and out. So you can expect over the next week or so really a, a thorough dive, you know, thorough analysis of us getting to know what, what these players are all about. And then hopefully in turn, you know, educating you as, as possible, you know, as much as we possibly can on the vault. Yeah. I mean, some of these guys like, uh, you know, Cole and Jason, who we had on, I mean, these guys literally like all year long are, are watching, uh, you know, these videos of these guys. And so that's why we have them on is like, we're, we're just like, look, we're so engrossed in Raven specific coverage, not on a daily basis. Okay. And maybe if there's breaking news a couple times a day. So, and that's just with what we're doing here, you've got your own channel and I got stuff going on. So um, real quick, I wanted to add something. Did we go through everybody? Uh, we, we, we should probably give some more love to MAL before we keep going, but I just wanted to shout out uh, Ross okay. Kinzella here, tuning in from Australia, keeping up with the draft for Baltimore, pump for season t- 2023. Go Ravens, love the updates from the team, and uh, that's, that's pretty freaking awesome. It reminds me of Tommy from Australia, too. He, he, he tunes in here and there, Tommy Jones. And while we're at it, I just wanted to shout out a couple of our newest patrons, Sarah, who are supporting 
uh, both of us and our channel through Patreon. You can do the same if you're interested uh, by visiting patreon.com forward slash Ravens vault podcast. But thank you to Bruce Reed. Thank you to Big Fesh 927 and Pamela Taylor, three of our newest patrons who, again, are, are supporting us through Patreon. We appreciate you guys. Um, so, yeah, should, should we give some love to? Let's see here. Let's make sure we're being. Yeah, I, I think MAL needs a little bit more love. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what I have my notes on him is that at Oregon, he was primarily a right tackle. Wait, I think I already said this. Um, I don't know if I have much more. All well, I will add this: that do you have his measurables? I don't know how how big he is. He's a big dude. He's a big big dude. Uh, I'll look it up. Yeah. Anyway, okay. For, I have for, some other things while you look that up. Yeah, yeah go ahead. So again, here's the, here's the pronunciation. If you were wondering, one more time, okay, Malaisala, Malaisala. Uh, maybe I'm not. Maybe it's too much of a Saul instead of a Saul. You know, better call Saul. Malaisala Amuvai La Laulu. Feel free to critique the absolute hell out of me in the comment section if need be, because I'm just sticking my neck out there. Malaisala <laughs> Amuvai Laulu. Anyway. Um, as a senior at Oregon, Pac-12 all-conference honorable mention by the coaches, offensive lineman of the week back in week nine. He started all 13 games at right tackle, to your point, for the Ducks in his final season. Um, and, and he was durable. He was durable, but he is going to be developmental. And that was clear to me listening to, you know, uh, here, here are some of the measurables, by the way, courtesy of Jonas, 6'6", 317, who probably fits inside. Uh, this was before, of course, the uh, the seventh rounder and, and Andrew Voris. But uh, yeah, he's a big man. And I can't help but think what that means <laughs> eventually down the line. If 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 both of these dudes, you know, end up working out because Daniel Falalele is is up there as well. And, and we got a couple mountain of men there protecting potentially Lamar Jackson in the future over the next five years. But uh, again, six, five, six, five, six, six, depending on on where you're looking. 317, three-year starter, played tackle. Uh, some have projected him as an NFL guard, according to Jeff and, and the evaluators that he's talked to. And uh, he's a big, nasty O-lineman with some developing to do, which kind of sounds relatively similar to Daniel. Yeah, yeah, he does. Um, what I was going to say with how big he is, uh, he if you if you are able to look at some of his tape, he moves really well. He moves really well for for a big man. And so um, that gives you some some flexibility there. So I'm excited. I think the Ravens have one of the best offensive line coaches. And Joe, now you, I know you know his name, so you're going to help me out. I'll, uh... Oh, Joe D'Alessandris. Yep. There it is, D'Alessandris. There we go, Joe D'Alessandris. He's he's been he's been on the NFL for decades, and he does a really really good job of developing these offensive linemen. So uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how these guys all blend together. But um, I would agree with you that Ben Cleveland going into his third year now, uh, he's he's probably going to be the favorite. Uh, but the, but the job's not going to be handed over to him in the least bit. And as we noted before in the show, you know every time he's missed. Uh, time in training camp because he couldn't, you know, pass that that conditioning test. That's just lost time to be able to prove what you can do and pick up the offense and all that kind of stuff. So he's got to uh, 
we'll have to look up Falele. He's got to. Um, that's why coming to these these voluntary football workouts and plus the OTAs. If you have perfect attendance, you don't have to take the conditioning test. So uh, I think he's learned his lesson there because he's really got to hit. He's got to he's got to hit this year. This is his year. And it wouldn't surprise me if the Ravens coaches have told him that and say, this is, you know, a massive year. We're looking at you. So you better get in here. Let's get going. And, you, you know, pr- this is your job to lose. Let's go. So I really hope to see – I really hope. I want to see it for him. I want to see it for the Ravens. That he's able to, like, realize his poten- potential in year three. They may have had those expectations for him last year, and they were probably disappointed if that wasn't indeed the case because of of, of coming into camp out of shape. And yeah. thank you to Jared Kay for, for clarifying here because, yeah, although they're in the same class, if you will, as giant big men, big <laughs> human beings – yeah, Falalele's a little bit more north of, uh, of, of, of our guy, you know, 6'8", 380. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Whoa. So, anyway, thank you. Appreciate that, Jared. Um, wanted to get to a few other things as well, um, including Trenton Simpson's moment that you tweeted about and and every single year, probably every single team that can say this, there's one of those emotional moments that just gets you, you know, and Trenton Simpson comes from, you could tell a very close knit family. It's a military background. He moved around a lot as a kid, spent some time in Georgia, really looks at Roquan Smith as we learned last night as someone that he not only um, wants to, to model his game off of, but, is fired just fired up to be with him he looks at him as as a mentor and and they barely even know each other which is pretty cool anyway here's his moment on day two of the draft Bobby it's like every every time because you know that there's so much work and adversity that's been overcome in those moments and it's not just for the the player which obviously it's for them but it's like their families it just is like every single year somebody somebody gets me and what what I like about him and we weren't able to say this last night because we didn't we didn't figure out our like workaround of listening to the the press conferences until until after him um, but he's one of those guys that I think is going to become a fan favorite early. I feel like Pepe Williams was that last year in terms of personality. Um, this guy, man, I, and I, and I say this often, um, you know, people were always like, what was it like to work in the NFL? And my favorite thing about working in the NFL was being around people who believed and worked so hard and literally sacrificed to become great, to become great at something. That's what I loved about being around Ray Lewis about. That's what I liked about Ed Reed is like, nobody, it just seems like 
you know, nobody aspires for greatness anymore. It's like, you know, it's just like working for the weekend or trying to get through certain stuff or, you know, and it's just like, I got to go to work. I can't wait to get to my break or whatever. And, and it's, and, and I get all that, right? Like I, we all have, we're all like that at times, but it's like to be around people who don't lose sight of the goal and actually believe that they can become great. And so sometimes these guys just have to speak that into existence. And Trenton Simpson, for me, going back and listening to his press conference with the media was like, he's one of those dudes. He's one of those dudes that like talk a big game. And I really hope he backs it up. Talk like so he 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 said at one point he goes, he just kept saying his name in the third person, you know, which oftentimes annoys me. But with the way he did it, because when you combine it with work with work ethic and sacrifice and it almost becomes he's like he's like Trent Simpson Trent Simpson believe me you you are not going to regret this pick you are going to remember my name he goes I'm going to become one of the greats of the Baltimore Ravens and I'm like all right well you're playing a play in a position where there was Ray Lewis and now there's Roquan Smith and he was not afraid to put his name in that company and is it premature obviously but we let him do that because it's his night right it's the greatest moment of his night and because sometimes you just have to speak that into existence because if you don't believe it, how are you going to get there? Ray always talked big. Yeah. Ray always talked big. Roquan, when we had him on two nights ago, Bobby, he talks big. He's like, we're loaded, Super yeah. Bowl. I don't care that I have to take on Aaron Rodgers and Burrow and and Watson and Wilson and everybody else that's in the AFC. Let's let's go. I'm not – he's not intimidated by it. He's he's motivated by it. Um, so so I I – you know, recommend that people go back and listen to him. I think he's going to become a fan favorite pretty quick with the way he talked. And then one other thing that we didn't get to say, because um, we only heard the Ravens talk about him since that night is he, the Ravens do view him more as an off ball linebacker kind of inside. Um, But, but Eric DaCosta said that we do want to use his versatility. So you could play him a little bit outside because he's very good at, at blitzing. And he's and this is when he got we got the quote of that can mess with an offense a bit. So um, I think they're going to try to put his versatility to use to kind of disguise things. So um, I man, I hope he backs up his 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 talk because he was so inspiring to listen to. Yeah, who knows? Maybe it'll be like an abundance of riches like it was last year in the secondary. You know, I think Cole Jackson was the first to kind of mirror what happened last year between Chuck and Kyle with Kyle mm-hmm. being drafted 14th overall and Chuck being the sort of the, you know, the plug and play starter there at safety. But then what did Chuck do? He showed up to training camp. Like we talked about yesterday and refused to lose his spot. And he, mm-hmm. he, he didn't, he left no other option to the team because he, he put it all out there and he didn't miss one defensive snap in 2022. And Mike McDonald, to his credit, had a bunch of, uh, you know, checker pieces in front of him and he started playing with them all year long and it worked, you know, and, and Kyle's versatility obviously was a big part of that. Perhaps Trenton is able to do the same in what's a crowd a should, should PQ be in Baltimore, which right now we're assuming that's going to be the case. Um, may, maybe he finds a way to make some of that work, but you mentioned Trenton kind of, he's like a dog. And just in case folks were doing their own thing on Friday night, day two and stuff, listen to some of that. Not quiet confidence. It ain't quiet, but here it is. Just just not knowing what, what scheme I can fit in. I can fit in any scheme. I'm the most versatile linebacker in this draft, and I'm forever going to believe that. And um, 
we gonna see in this this in this career of Trent Simpson, y'all gonna y'all not gonna regret this pick. And um, I'm gonna maximize every opportunity, man. And Trent Simpson gonna go down as one of the greats for a Baltimore Ravens. Believe that. <laughs> well, when Lamar Jackson in there. Exactly. It's shades of 2018 with Dion and Lamar gets drafted 32 after sitting around all night thinking he was going to get passed, thinking thinking he was going to be this year's Will Levis, right? Sitting there in a green room all night long with the cameras on him all night long. And uh, and he said, believe that, you know, you're going to get a Super Bowl out of me. Trenton didn't go that far, but uh, but that's that. And then specifically, you mentioned sort of the the Roquan, you know, I mentioned it, too. Uh, that he models his game after Roquan, and he does not shy away from that whatsoever. He's fired up to be alongside him. Here he Who is. Who do you model your game after? Man, definitely Roquan Smith. Man, I grew up, I'm from Columbus, Georgia. Um, and just seeing him at Georgia, he won the Buckets Award. Man, like it's it's going to be a pleasure playing with him. And I know I'm going to be able to take a lot from him. And uh, his mindset, he's a dog. He he plays hard. He plays the right way. Um And it's the reason, it's the reason why he's the highest paid linebacker in the NFL right now. So, man, I'm just blessed to be in a room with a guy like that. So, cause I know I'm going to pick up, I'm willing to listen and I'm going to put the work in and whatever he do, whatever workouts he doing, I'm willing to come and join. I'm ready to work. And according to John Harbaugh on day two, the press, the recap press conference, Roquan had already called him. Hadn't been like an hour. It only been like an hour or two. So yeah, there's, there's a chemistry there and they got a bunch of dogs on this team that, that seemed to be very, very aligned with, even if they don't know each other that well, these new guys that are coming in just seem like they fit the, they fit the culture, which can, can seem cliche because they haven't played a snap or down yet in the NFL, but they certainly have, some of these guys have won the press conference, if you will. Yeah. Hey, there's a comment here from, from Cam Rue. Hope I'm saying that right. Where he said that Trent also played box safety or the jo Joker role. Um, I had actually wondered that because, as soon as we were reading his his uh, Daniel Jeremiah kind of paragraph of scouting report of who he is, the way we talked about it, and I said, I don't know, because I need, I didn't really quite know him at the time. And I was like, with Chuck Clark gone, like the way that um, McDonald, by the way, I have one correction for you. You said Matt, McDonald uses checker pieces. McDonald doesn't play checkers. He plays chess. He's got some chess pieces. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, but I had kind of wondered because he would play with like those three safeties. Like I was wondering if you could maybe, you know, obviously with, with uh, Queen still being there and I still think they'd start him with, with Roquan. Um, can you use this guy a little bit, a little bit back there? So if he's saying he played some, some box safety and Joker role, that's, that's, that's an opportunity there. Yeah, heck yeah. I have a bunch of starred comments that I want to get to as well. So why don't we start working our way through this as well? Nick Clemens drops a YouTube super chat feature in. Thank you, uh, first and foremost, for the donation. And he writes, uh, Patrick Queen to, not sure if it's greater than or to then, probably to Patrick Queen to Trenton Simpson, Kevin Zeitler to Andrew Voorhees. Great pickups for contracts when we'll need to circumnavigate future LJ cap hits. Okay, let me just make sure I'm reading this correctly. Oh, so is he basically is saying eventually they're going to move from Patrick Queen to, to Trent Simpson, and then eventually they'll move Kevin Zeitler because he could uh, okay. he could be retiring or whatever. Kevin Zeitler, it, it, the replacement is eventually Andrew Voorhees. I think that's what I got saying. you. Thank you. Which Thank makes you for sense. deciphering that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. And um, and obviously, you know, it'll be uh, 
I think Zeitler is one of the the best free you know free agency pickups that they spent you know considerable um, money on in, in the last few years. The guy's been an absolute wall. He's been durable as all heck. I remember when he missed that game last year, how PO'd he was, ticked off to have missed that that one game. And I think it had been several years since he actually missed the game. Um, and I remember his wife Sarah had been tweeting about it, or maybe it was on Instagram story or something like. You know, yeah. a photo of him that the day that he wasn't available, he was just so he was like so antsy because he's just such a prideful guy. So he's been a great right. pickup over the last couple of years. But, but yeah, Nick, I, I think it's a great I think it's a great point, too, from from Nick there about the future and stuff. Uh, Turbro writes in, is it unrestricted free agent time now? It'll be it'll be undrafted rookie time at some point. But so it's Monday at four o'clock is, is, the, is the new deadline we're looking at with. um with free agents because Monday at four is when uh, pickups will, will no longer count against in the compensatory pick formula. So that will be Monday at four o'clock undrafted rookie time. I'm assuming the draft is over. I don't have it on in front of me. Is it over now? Uh, as soon as the might draft be coming is over, tomorrow or maybe what? even today, you're right. Yeah, no. Yeah. Undrafted rookies. Undrafted rookies is today. Yeah. I guarantee today, you right yeah. now up on the second floor, of the Ravens uh, practice facility. The second floor is where all the scouts and coaches are. And guarantee you, they are going to have dozens of people. Coaches are going to be calling. Scouts are going to be calling. That Each person has been given their list of who they're calling. And I think the un, I think the undrafted rookies that they most want, you get more high-profile people calling them. So John Harbaugh will get a super-prized undrafted rookie that they really want. And then some of the guys that they want, but aren't as, as like needed, they might have some scouts, you know, we call on them from different area scouts, but the, the, the second floor of the, of the facility is probably buzzing right now with phone calls, trying to convince guys to come to, to Baltimore to try out for the team. Oh yeah. 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 The off day doesn't start till tomorrow for that front office. That's for sure. So they just got to get there. A nice little compliment from Sherry for you, Sarah. I have to say as a fellow woman, I respect the heck out of your game intelligence and your articulate uh, nature. It's great to see another woman uh, showing that we can talk football too. Dang right. Damn right. Appreciate Certainly echo you, that. Let's go with uh, Rick Garrett. What's the deal with Kyle Fuller? Is he a free agent or under contract and any news on his recovery? I don't know. I have any news on his physical status, but he is, available he is unsigned he is a free agent right now and of course he went down uh again courtesy of the metlife stadium turf which is now artificial grass apparently they're moving in a different direction a uh, week one against the jets last year so he is potentially still an option for them let's stick with the quarters carl uh carlos zero three one eight i think we can get both rockison and marcus peters I think we should with how much our cornerbacks get injured i mean now that lamar's on this long-term extension i feel like that that could potentially be in play. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree. I would like to see them both. I just, I like the depth that they now have at wide receiver. Um, I'd like to see more depth because listen, if Marlon Humphrey went down, if Marlon yeah. Humphrey went down, what, what, uh, yeah, I want both Rocky sin and Marcus Peters and, you know, Stevens and those two fourth round guys, we talked about Pepe and J Jalen Armour Davis. We need them healthy. Just keep stacking the, the cornerback group for sure. Candia, Candia, Candia. One of those two. Sorry if I botched it the first time. Is James Prochet tradable now? If he is, they're not going to get very much in return. Um, he is still on this roster for 2023. 
very much a bubble guy, I'd have to think, along with Tylen Wallace, uh, because of that packed wide receiver room. James does not offer a ton of value when it comes to teams, special teams. So uh, I'd, ha I'd have to think that, you know, he, he could be looking at a practice squad role. Um, Sarah, I don't, I don't think they'd be getting very much for him if they were to deal him. What's the tape you're going to send a team? Him throwing an interception that he definitely shouldn't have thrown? Him, uh, you know what I mean? Him, like, I don't yeah. know. I, I just don't think there's tape there. Would you, would you, let me ask you, if the, if the roles are reversed, what would you give for James Prochet? I wouldn't give anything for yeah. him. So. You wouldn't give anything. Yeah. And, and like, yeah. we get it, right? It's been, in, it's been in a run first offense over his first few years in the league. He hasn't had a ton of opportunities, but you know, bottom line is, you, you know, when, when you, you earn opportunities, no matter what kind of offense that you're in, that's just how it is. And, and, and we both feel like we've, we've mentioned this within the last week or so that he's had not ample. Okay. Ample opportunities. I think that's a fair way to say it. Not a ton. Right. Well, I don't even know how to define ample. Honestly, do you know how to define uh, ample? Like enough, enough to prove yourself. Yes. Definitely. That's what it, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully that suffices. <laughs> ample words. Anyway. Plenty. All of it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Okay. Warren checking in on Facebook, Bobby and Sarah, please convince the Ravens to get Deandre Hopkins trade money, whatever the AFC is stacked with elite quarterbacks and teams this year. He completes what we need to win in big games without Anquan Bolden. We would never have won the super bowl that year, which is probably true. Um, Sarah, there is still a chance that they could be in the running here. I know you and I both feel like the Zay flowers, um, selection in the first round may have taken this out of play, but we did play the general manager from Arizona yesterday who was asked point blank if he felt like something was imminent related to DeAndre and clearly hop wants out of, of Arizona. We know that. Um, and he said it wasn't imminent, meaning it's not going to happen draft weekend. I mean, draft weekend is almost over, so it's not going to happen this weekend, which means it could in the coming days, if not weeks. Yeah, and I didn't get a chance to read all of it. I've, there's been so much coverage, but there was a, an article that I saw a link to. I bookmarked it because I needed to move on, and I, I want to come back to it. I haven't yet. Maybe we'll, we'll cover it in one of the vaults. But there was a, a, an Arizona local story about a trade being potential, like a potential trade. I feel like I bookmarked several things on this about how close it was and how it was, you know, yeah, the Ravens. And so um, I also didn't know, and I said this on – Thursday night that I wasn't sure if the Ravens were going to be like, well, let's get to 22 and then make a decision. Let's see which, if, if there's like none of our top rated receivers are there, then we'll go ahead and pull off this trade. But then Zay flowers, their top rated wide receiver was there. So maybe that took them out of the running. Um, there's a chance that, that Arizona may just have to cut, <laughs> which, you know, Deandre, uh, if nobody's willing to to do anything, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It, it just doesn't look like anybody was willing to give what they were asking. And there were reports that it was a second, a second rounder that they wanted the, the value of a second rounder. So my thing is, is I do, I feel like they're too much. I do feel like, although we try to meet that with, with our ideal trade scenario. So um, luckily we're not the, the GM, I was right? Feeling generous. <laughs> yeah. I was feeling generous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I will say this. I feel like the Ravens are good at wide receiver now, but if the Ravens are out of the running and that opens the door for the bills or chiefs, I almost want to get them just so that they don't <laughs> like, yeah. like if the Ravens are out of the running, uh, 
although that's no way to like, you know, build a football team, but I really don't want to see him at the Chiefs or the Bills. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think a lot of people would echo that. And I do want to mention, too, on this whole undrafted rookie frenzy that's about to begin, and it already is, uh, Aaron Wilson, NFL reporter, is just firing off uh, oh, tweets right now related to some, yeah, he, he rips them and he's about to for the next several hours, but, um, along the whole undrafted rookie front, specifically those of you who follow local football here to Baltimore, uh, specifically down in college park, just South of us, Rakeem Jarrett and Dante Demas, two of the Terps wide receivers, both went undrafted. So perhaps the Ravens could take a flyer on one, if not both of them, bring them in uh, as part of their undrafted rookie class so that they can try and compete. And then should something happen with knock on wood, should something happen with one of the five that we feel like are going to be there uh, in, in terms of making up the, the, the 53 man roster wide receiver room, OBJ Bateman, um, Duvernay flowers and Aguilar, then they'd be able to potentially, you know, slide in there as Jonah Schaefer just tweeted out. Jarrett has five-star pedigree. Demas was a potential day one or day two prospect just a year, a year ago. And again, yeah, a surprising fall for both of them, but uh, they should probably garner some, some undrafted free agency kind of attention here, whether it's in Baltimore or beyond. For sure. For sure. And so, um, so is this right? The first Ravens undrafted free agent is Oregon state guard, Brandon Kipper. Um, you got Brandon Kipper coming in and you have a Colorado state Pueblo defensive tackle, Trey bots. So again, a lot of these names, defensive tackle, you, you'll probably see and hear them, you know, throughout the off season and training camp and stuff. And they're probably going to make up a, a good percentage of the practice squad. Um, but again, the, you know, the, the frenzy, this, the, the signing frenzy begins. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's just keep stacking. Let's just keep throwing as many people. You never know is you have more lottery tickets. You're more likely to hit on one. So, you know, let's just keep bringing in guards. Just keep bringing them in. Yeah. Just, just exactly. And, and then if Ben Cleveland comes out on, to, uh, you know, above all that, then he's all the better for it. Yep. Yep. And as Joe just chimed in on the YouTube chat, you know, some, in some ways they are, they can be referred to as camp bodies, but then again, the Ravens pride themselves. Just look up and down the roster, Pat Ricard being one of them. There are undrafted rookies who have, have contributed significantly to this organization over the years. Probably the biggest one is, is Justin Tucker, at least in terms of the current active roster. 
Jonas Schaefer brought up an, an interesting tweet here. that's become a trend over the last five years since Eric DaCosta took over as general manager. Hard to believe that it's already been five years, but he's taken just four players from non power five schools or Notre Dame. And they are as follows. James Prochet, Brandon Stevens, both from SMU, Pepe Williams, who we've had on the vault before from Houston, cornerback, by the way, Prochet, obviously wide receiver, DB, Brandon Stevens, Pepe is a corner. And then Isaiah Likely, Coastal Carolina. And the jury's still out probably about the majority of this group just because they're all within the last couple of years here having been drafted. But we, but we all know that Isaiah Likely's got big time superstar kind of upside and talent. And it's only a matter of time when you get the sense. And, and you know, he's playing behind Mark Andrews, right? But, but that's a nasty tight end duo right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. So what I really liked, so just kind of talk, talking about, you know, them being able to find a few of these gems. Yes, pedigree matters because they want to see. I know production matters to them also. Um, but I thought it was really interesting, which I already knew this, but he went into a little bit more detail about how they don't farm out their scouting. Like there's, there's a, you know, scout, I don't even know what to call them. These scouting groups that you can kind of like almost subscribe to or whatever. And, uh, you can get some scouting information from them. And he's like, yeah, no, we don't do that. We do everything in house. And, um, that's because one, they trust their own scouts and they train their own scouts to go look for things that they're, they're interested in and how, what they think are traits to kind of project how good people will be. And then the second thing is, is he just like, is like, plus we don't want to share our information. So when he talks about how, um, a lot of times, like that's why value always falls to them because to them, it's like, they just have their draft board set up completely differently. So, uh, so yeah, so those are the smaller school ones. Here's another, just off the top of my head, because I was thinking about this the other day. If you want to think at the, of, of Eric DaCosta's last five drafts, his only five drafts, of those five drafts, he's taken in the first round, Zay Flowers, wide receiver, Rashad Bateman, wide receiver, Patrick Queen, Marquise Brown, wide receiver, and then, hey, no, that was 2018. And then, yeah, so uh, that's three first round wide receivers in five drafts. Now you got it <laughs> in yeah. five drafts, three, so, which goes back to what we talked about on opening night, right? On, on Thursday night, we said, you know, there's a lot of narrative. There's a lot of talk out there about the spending or lack thereof offensively speaking in terms of playmakers for Lamar. And there's absolutely a case to be made with, with them not having done that until this year with OBJ and free agency, but it doesn't mean they haven't used draft capital on do, right. on trying to do that. They just haven't quite hit it out of the park yet. Jury's still out in Rashad Marquise was productive, but clearly not a true number one. And we'll see what Zay ends up being. I wanted to go to, while we're on this conversation, I just saw a really interesting question. I feel like is, is um, from, from Eric Turner that I wanted to talk about this a little bit. Are they really keeping Devin Duvernay? when we just drafted a guy that fills the same role. And although they're not, you know, spitting image measurements, um, talent, all that, you know, resume coming out of college and stuff, there are some similarities, Sarah. And I, and that's why I would just wonder, remember doing a vault recently. I can't remember who said this. It may have been in one of Jeff's piece an anonymous league source that said something along the lines of the Ravens most certainly would be capable of pulling off something post draft. 
And I wonder if they see Duvernay as sort of like a luxury because of the similarities, whether it's the gadget stuff or the return specialist stuff that Zay Flowers can also do. And if he is a luxury, could he be a potential trade piece in the coming weeks? Well, I will say that Zay Flowers can do everything that Devin Duvernay can do, but Devin Duvernay cannot do everything that Zay Flowers can do. So uh, definitely agree in, in that sense. Again, though, I come back to, even though Devin Duvernay has produced much more than James Prochet, I guess there's two things. One, I want depth at wide receiver too. It hasn't been quite as bad as cornerback the last couple of years, but it feels like every year that the Ravens have reached um, the, the, the playoffs, um, their, their already not deep wide receivers group was thinner, and they were in there with guys that they signed off the street either in, in preseason or during the season, like, like Robinson, who still swears <laughs> you know, that he's going to be here. And so I want depth at wide receiver. And if something were to to happen to Zay or OBJ or or, um, Rashad Bateman, any of these guys, all of these guys have gone through injuries in the last couple of years. So so if if the phone's not ringing, I'm not shopping Devin Duvernay. Okay. Now, we had talked about this is before the draft when there was still all that – all the rumors about DeAndre Hopkins, we were talking about how Devin Duvernay could very well be like a piece of that trade because maybe Arizona Arizona would want a wide receiver back when they're losing one and Devin, Devin Duvernay can do some things he's produced. And so in that sense, yeah, you could, I could see Devin Duvernay being a piece in like this, this bigger package. But if you're looking to shop him just because you have Zay Flowers, uh, I'm not with that. I, I want depth at wide receiver. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about injuries there. Yeah, it's a good counterpoint for sure. Just think it's an exercise to have, like, continue to have if if they are not done yet in terms of like, I don't know, potentially filling the void at corner rather than. You know, I saw somebody here. It is right here. Tom Tom Leeper put out the hypothetical. You know, maybe a trade behind closed doors for a Marshawn Lattimore or Jair Alexander type cornerback, someone in that category and price price range. You'd probably have to give up. A, well, I don't know what you'd have to give up for that, but you know, potentially a a player for player trade. I was just trying to ha- kind of have the exercise a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. And w- w- we're probably going to find out early this week what the. Um, I think I saw a question in here earlier. Maybe you have it started about how much cap space they have now that Lamar is. Um, is signed, but we don't know that yet. We still don't know all the contract details and we don't know the structure of how the five years will, will go. So um, the Ravens could opt to put a little bit more money in this first year because they've been operating as if it would be 32 million. Then they put void years on everybody else, including OBJ. And so it's like, well, we're probably going to take a bigger hit, you know, in year two after, because of all these void years we've put in. So Maybe they opt to put in a little bit more more money in year one because they already have it kind of slotted there anyway. Obviously, they it needs to be less than thirty two because they didn't even have enough to sign their whole rookie class yet. Uh, plus, they're going to need to sign sign some veterans and whatnot. So, um, but but I guess my point is is we don't know yet, and we we'll, we will for sure cover it once those those numbers come in. Yeah, Ravens have their first running back in the undrafted rookie class, Keaton Mitchell. 
signing with the Ravens. So we'll continue to kind of update you on, on these players. I, I would expect a couple backs to be coming in. And, um, and by the way, the, the, the Ravens running back room in 2024, just as sort of a big picture item could look a, a vastly different than it does right now. You know, uh, it really could. I mean, there's a chance that, that both Edwards and Dobbins may not be here in 2024. We'll see if they award JK a second contract, but um, anyway, that's just sort of a, a bigger picture yeah, thing to consider. That's, that's why that's been a sneaky need is running back. It's been a very sneaky need because all of those guys are in the last year of their current contracts. And again, and of course it's just because we've been through two years of injury hell. I feel like there needs to be more depth there also. So good to hear that they've got some undrafted free agents in, but um, you know, it's not like you're excited about, about those chances. So I just get nervous because if, if JK or Gus were to go down again, we're just right back in the situation we were the last two years. Let's see another question coming in here that I had starred from earlier, Eric Turner. I wonder how Bateman feels about all this talk about wide receivers. Does anyone think he's a little salty? Well, he can't be salty, you know, because they're stacking talent around him. They're putting talent around Lamar that he's never had before at his disposal at the position. Uh, unfortunate reality is that Rashad hasn't been uh, available, you know, back-to-back -back seasons in terms of full seasons put forth durability wise. And uh, until he is, you know, the jury's kind of still out. Sarah and I both feel like we're not ready to, to attach the injury prone label to him. It's a little bit too premature for both of us on that side of things. Um, but, uh, but yeah, big year for Bateman. I, I'm not sure you can really, I mean, you could talk about how much pressure's on Lamar with the extension, but I think you could go all team, you know, team wide top down. I, I think a great argument could be made that there's not another player with more pressure on him going into uh, a season than, than Rashad Bateman. Yeah, no, there's, there's, there's some pressure there. Um, I don't know if, if um, Rashad Bateman is salty, but I will say this, and, and this is what I was trying to articulate yesterday with, with Patrick Queen, who both Rashad Bateman and Patrick Queen, I want to make it clear. I think that both of them can be great starters in this league. I think Patrick Queen next to Roquan could be in, could if he played like he did at the you know well he was playing a little bit better even before um, Roquan got there but he could become a Pro Bowler. I think that Rashad Bateman can become a 17 game starter and maybe more right. And so I want to get that out there before I say the following. I don't know if either one of them are salty. If by chance they were, I would have little patience for that especially if I were a head coach, because so, so what do you want me to do as a head coach? You want me to like not bring in competition, hold your hand, you know, like, hold your hand, like, tell you you're great. Uh, yeah. And I don't mind telling people they're great. Like coaches encourage people and motivate them and, and whatever. But, but like, I don't want to see anybody afraid of competition. Do you think that Roquan Smith batted an eye? When, when Simpson was, was drafted the other day, what did you see from OBJ? He calls up Zay Flowers and he's like, we're going to kill it together. I want to see Rashad Bateman doing that. I want to see Rashad Bateman calling him. And maybe he did. We don't know. I'm, I, I, I'm totally going down the road of what this person just brought up in terms of questions. 
if they're salty. So I'm just saying this if they were, and I'm not saying that they are, but, but like you, you have to be what Joe Flacco was, which was a Super Bowl MVP that got the highest contract ever for you to like look sideways at who the Ravens draft every year. This is the NFL. This is the most competitive place on planet earth. If, if a draft pick throws you off and you can't call a guy up and be like, yo, let's do this, then, then something's not right. And so I think that Rashad Bateman and Patrick Queen can do those things. And I just thought Chuck Clark, as you, to your point, did it the right way. It was just like, I'm not giving up my job. I'm not going to just give it to you. You're going to have to come take it away. And that should be the attitude and not be afraid of anybody or any competition because iron, John Harbaugh says it all the time, iron sharpens iron. And he's right. That's the way it has to be. This is the, this is the business that we are in. This is the business that NFL players are in. You cannot bat an eye at the next competition. You have to use it to fuel yourself, to keep going. Don't let yourself for a second become salty. Yeah. And as Ravens fan 23, uh, mentions here, you know, kind of looking back at, at last month when Rashad lost his cool a little bit on Twitter and then quickly deleted that tweet. Not quickly, actually, it was like a, maybe an hour or two after, but it was when Eric DaCosta was at the combine and he was, you know, asked about the wide receivers and say, yeah, we just, we haven't, we haven't been good enough. You know, we haven't hit on one and uh, you know, Ravens fan 23 writes can't, can't blame your GM publicly and not expect them to add competition at your position. Well, they're going to, they were going to add competition regardless. Let's be honest this, this off season. But, uh, but yeah, that wasn't the best look from Rashad and he knew it and he, and he, and he took it down and, and ultimately you hope that things are okay behind, behind closed doors, but that was not a good look. And, and he did it. And, and, and remember that was the day. If you remember, not only was the combine, taking place in Indianapolis and Eric made those comments about the wide receivers over the years, but also the NFL PA led survey was released that day, which absolutely torched the Ravens strength and conditioning program, their weight room, their training staff, things of that nature. And, um, it was just a wild day where everybody was talking. That was a negative day in Baltimore, which seems like literally light years ago because of what's transpired over the last 72 hours, Sarah. But uh, I do remember that day vividly. Yeah. Yeah. No, there was, there's been several dark days of this off season for sure. And even extended before the off season started. So it, it feels it, there's going to be something new. There's always something that comes up, but it feels so good to be, past all that right now hey we should mention courtesy of a couple people writing in that uh it looks like one of the maryland terps is going to be a raven here as an undrafted rookie dante demas jr just tweeted out 28 minutes ago congratulations to everyone got to live out their dreams i may not have been selected but i'm proud of everyone who did and didn't uh far from over Thank you to everyone who supported and still supports me. And then literally I'm actually getting chills as I, as I read this right now, because literally a, a couple minutes ago, the Ravens just signed him uh, to be one of their undrafted rookies. So one of the two Maryland Terp wide receivers that did not come off the board uh, is now coming to Baltimore as an undrafted rookie. He's going to fight for, for his NFL shot, which is pretty dang cool. And then the other one is, is Rakeem Jarrett. I'm sure he won't be, um, um, you know, available for all that much longer because he was the, he was actually the bigger recruit of the two. So we'll see. 
sorry if you can hear people in the background. My office is right next to the front door. We've got a surprise visitor. And uh, this usually we record these when everybody's already in bed. So uh, my apologies. But it's too bad that this happened in a uh, – that the Ravens pick up an unrestricted Maryland guy who I'm sure everybody's going to love uh, this year because finally the wide receiver room is stacked. <laughs> so, like, if this were, like, last year or the year before, they'd be like, oh, sweet, there's a chance. There's a chance that he could make it. But maybe he'll end up making the uh, the practice squad or something. For real. You're so – it's honestly, like <laughs> – so accurate. This is not the year. This is just not the year for once they have their room taken care of and bookended and in depth and all that. And, and Hey, you just never know it. Depth can never be, never be a problem. But in terms of the 53 man, he's going to have his work cut out for him as long as everybody stays healthy. Uh, that hey, work quick. with a, wait, a wait, four- wait. yeah, sorry. Go back to the last comment real quick. Oh okay. shoot. I didn't even look at who it was. All right. Well, basically it said, why would Roquan Smith bat an eye? But then the reasoning behind it was he's the highest paid linebacker. How do you think he got there? Do you think he was batting an eye at competition before then? You don't become the the, the highest paid linebacker in the league if you get nervous and and tweet something like sheesh, you know. And again, I'm going to say again, it it was just a moment. And I think that Patrick Queen is going to be fine. So I don't want to project into the future. But in that moment, it, 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 it wasn't in the moment that it happened. Roquan Smith called him and Patrick Queen didn't say, Oh, let's get it on Twitter. Instead he said, sheesh. Okay. If, if, so it wasn't like he was like welcoming in this, this new, this new teammate of his. And so the point is, is it's not because he's paid that he's not batting an eye. He gets paid because he's never flinched before. You've got it. It's, it's backwards. And it's, it's no disrespect to, to the commenter there, but he doesn't get paid and then you don't flinch. You get paid because you don't flinch. Yes. Yes. Another running back is coming to Baltimore um, as an undrafted rookie. East Carolina back Keaton Mitchell. Did we already mention him? Uh, Keaton Mitchell from East Carolina is coming. He was one of the top remaining running backs from this year's draft. Uh, has a chance to compete for a backfield position right now. Not sure if it's going to be the 53-man roster, but probably the practice squad. So anyway, that's that's that. We got a YouTube super chat feature that we wanted to get to uh, from that works. Any thoughts on AB? I say, why not? Guy can still play, especially as a number three. Uh, God bless you if you say, why not? Because um, you're going to have to hold me down and waterboard me or do something crazy to me to, 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 to convince me to bring in Antonio Brown to Baltimore based on what we've seen from him off the field and on the field. And the last time that we actually saw him leave the field shirtless. Okay. On top of all the other stuff that comes with him as, as the figure that is Antonio Brown. So uh, don't get me worked up on this guy. He he is one of the great all time talents, Sarah, but he is such a problem, such a lightning rod. I hope he's gotten the help that he so desperately needs based on what we know about his personal life. Um, and, and, and I haven't seen anything related to, to that being the case. So, you know, uh, that's what, that's all I'm going to say there. Bobby, this is fun. I'm usually the one who gets a little passionate and gets on soapboxes. That was fun to witness, to be on the other side of it. Uh, it's, it's a hard no for me. And I just want to, I just want to say, because I was so um, open to OBJ, like there's so many people that make mistakes. I feel like for me, 
um, I can, I believe in redemption. I believe in redemption for sure. And, but part of redemption is a recognition that you need redemption, right? That, that you've yes. erred, that you've erred and you're ready to make it right. And, um, I've seen thousands of people, thousands of players, you look in, in the mirror yourself and you're just like, I, I need a chance at redemption. I need a, a second, third, fourth, fifth chance. And I, I seriously could give people, you know, 77 chances, like what, whatever, if, yeah. if you're still working towards it. And so with Antonio Brown, I just don't see somebody who recognizes that he needs to change his ways to become more of a team player. Um, whereas like, I have seen that with other guys. And so until I see somebody who's like, um, yeah, just recognizes that something needs to change, then, then you, you can't, you can't give an opportunity like that. I mean, this roster's stacked, that wide receiver's stacked. I just don't think you need a personality that, sh that shows, um, a lot of narcissistic traits. You can't, you can't handle, you can't do that on a team. And he doesn't seem to recognize that yet. And if he did, if he did, then it'd be like, all right, well then maybe, but it's, it's for me, it's a hard no. A certain recklessness that comes to and and when you think about the high risk high reward at this point in his career yeah i'm sure he still is talented you know the guy's probably still in shape i mean he's been out of league for for over a year at this point but uh but the guy's he's, he's such a freak and he's such an all-time great you know the traits the 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 ability that the god-given ability that's what just kills you about it you know it's like dude you have so much talent so much talent and, and you were able to see a lot, like you got to the pinnacle of that, right. As a stealer. Um, and he even played pretty dang well for, for Tampa, but the way that he treated Tom Brady, the way that he just went off the deep end towards the end of his NFL career was honestly just sad. It was just sad knowing just how much talent he has. So we'll stick a pin in it there on a B, but Jordan, the drummer checking in, how are we going to add to our CB group? I'm worried about going into the season with just the corners we currently have on the roster. We've touched on this a little bit. Sarah and I are both expecting a, uh, a, a free agency acquisition coming up uh, this, this coming week. Perhaps Rocky Sin is the favorite there, former second round pick. They've had him in for a visit within the last month or so. So it could just be only a matter of time there. And honestly, Sarah, I'm starting to wonder if they're going to want to bring Marcus Peters back now that Lamar's extension has been taken care of. I had seen a question earlier because we we sort of did answer this earlier. Um, and by the way, I'm just shocked again. I just noticed because because I'm like, oh, we answered this. And I'm like, oh, maybe more people have come in. So I went to see how many people are here. Once again, doing a spur of the moment live live uh, reaction. We've got 730 people. So <laughs> we appreciate you guys uh, supporting us. This is this is definitely great. Um, but so anyway, a question that we'd gotten earlier to kind of give a different spin of what we said before, um, when we talked about Rocky Sin, he's like, why is everybody so high on Rocky Sin? I think we keep naming him because the Ravens had him in for a free agent visit and it reportedly sounded like it went well. And, um, and so the, the thought is that there was a kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge, we're going to sign you. Don't, don't go with anybody else, but let's wait till Monday after Monday at four o'clock when you won't count against compensatory picks. So that's why his name keeps getting brought up. Um, and so, but that's also not to knock rock your sin. Um, I'm not terribly familiar with his game, 
But when he did come in for a visit, I looked into him and there, you know, there's a lot to like there. And, and he's, he is a veteran. And I think they need more veteran stuff to augment what they've got with the two. Uh, now they're going to be sophomores, the second year players in Jalen Armadeus Davis and, and Pepe Williams. But I think the Ravens still don't know what you have there because they were injured. They, they flashed for sure. They both looked really good in training camp last year. And so I think there's some hope and optimism with those guys. And at the same time, you're going to need some more veterans be, besides Marlon. Um, so, so that's why Rocky Sin keeps getting mentioned. And I have been wanting Marcus Peters back since the season ended. And I think that the way that Eric DaCosta, every time he's asked about him, he has been glowing about him. I think Eric has done more than leave the door open. And so maybe this was something where uh, this is complete speculation, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Ravens say gave an offer to Marcus Peters but was much lower than he's typically been used to. Um, may, maybe because coming off that injury and his age. Um, and so maybe it was one of those situations that was like, look, we want you. Here's, here's what we have to give you. Why don't you go see if something else is out there? And so um, I don't know if that's happened, but perhaps it could have. That's, that's pure speculation. So, But I have been wanting Marcus back. I'm, I'm one of the people that feels like, just like we saw with J.K. Dobbins and Gus, they didn't come back themselves at first. It took a second surgery for J.K. to get there, and he's younger than Marcus. And then Gus, it sounds like he also had to do a similar cleanup as J.K. did, and and uh, we never really got to see him return. So to me, I still believe that Marcus could return to be more like himself than we saw last year. So that's why I'm in on that, especially at a much less expensive price tag than the Ravens have had him in the past. And I think having him as CB, you know, if, if you have uh, Rocky sitting in there and then you've got Brennan Stevens and then these younger guys, then Marcus Peters is maybe CB two, maybe CB three. And at a lower price, bring that to me all day long. If he's willing to do that. Yeah. If he's yeah. willing to swallow his pride a little bit, heck yeah. I mean, we, we all know that he's got an inner dog in him. You know, his DNA yeah. is just, street ball, right? I mean, he's, he's, he's got that nasty, he's got that nasty edginess to him. And, uh, while that can be maybe looked at as a headache to some there, there is, it's hard to put a price tag on the importance of what that means to a locker room, you know, especially to a defense like, like Baltimore secondary. So, um, when you take a look at the week ahead, you know, uh, we could be looking at potentially Lamar Jackson's not introductory. We certainly know who he is, uh, over the course of this off season, but, the uh, contract, contract extension press conference needs to happen at some point. You'd have to think that there will be some acquisitions uh, for, for cornerback like we've been talking about. And we're also going to start to take deep dives into, you know, more player profiles now that we actually know that these guys are going to be Ravens. So there is a ton of content coming up in, in the next couple of weeks as we flip the calendar over to May. OTAs begin, organized team activities begin in May, which we'll of course be following extensively and, and especially see if some of the big guns show up, right? Like Lamar Jackson and Odell Beckham Jr. And, um, you know, he's got a new supporting cast with him. Lamar does at the wide receiver room. So we'll see what kind of um, off season schedule he chooses to do now, now that he is going to be a Raven through 2027. So um, lot, lots coming up. Well, I was just looking up um, the Ravens, rookie camp and OTA schedule. So let me pull that up here so we can look forward here. 
Um, yeah, and as so you do that, Sarah, I'll just yeah. give you the latest undrafted rookie update here. Uh, the Ravens have signed Nolan Henderson, a quarterback out of Delaware. He's an interesting guy who many teams showed interest in over the last few months, according to his agent, Brett Tesler. Again, the Ravens have signed their first undrafted rookie quarterback. It's Nolan Henderson out of Delaware. Nice. Um, so I'm not seeing an exact date for the rookie camp. I feel like in years past, rookie camp was either literally the week after the draft was over or they might wait one more week. And I haven't seen an announcement on that just yet, but I do have dates for everything else. So right now, and this is what you saw, there were video, you know, video and picture of of guys showing up in the last couple of weeks because that was the off-season workout program that started April 17th. Um, voluntary OTAs begin May 22nd. And so uh, you'll have, I believe, three weeks of that, two, three. And then uh, actually it looks like more than that, May 22nd. Mini camps in June, right? And then, well, mandatory mini camp, yep, is June 13th through 15th. And then usually after that, that's when you have the big break until um, until training camp. So, but they've got several, you know, OTAs in here. Uh, they got May 22nd, 24 and 25, 30, June 1, 2, June 5, 6, June 8, 9. But one thing that I think is really important, which I'm I'm hoping the Ravens will re release some photos and videos of this, is if you remember when OBJ FaceTimed Zay Flowers while he was still at the draft, uh, he said. This, I'm trying to get calendar stuff from these, these little draft videos. Uh, but he said, Hey, when are you going to be in town? And he's like, Oh, I'm going right after this. He's like, Hey, he goes, well, I'll be there next Tuesday and Wednesday. So I don't know if it meant exactly this one or the week after, but uh, they were hoping to kind of meet up. So OBJ is coming at some point to come work out. And I'm hoping the Ravens release some vi video on that. Cause that'll be, that'll be fun to see him in the building. And, and my guess is that when the Ravens were coming with Lamar coming to these final contract uh, figures, it might've been, Hey, we need you here for the voluntary OTAs to start implementing Munkin's offense. So my prediction is that early we'll see Lamar Jackson with his new targets and these voluntary OTAs. That's a good catch. I remember OBJ specifically said Wednesday and Thursday of, of next week, if I'm not mistaken, was they on yeah. that FaceTime, right? So, I thought it was Tuesday so and Wednesday, but it's, we know it's the Wednesday. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. It's gonna it's gonna definitely be next week. So, uh, but yeah, that's 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 a that's a good point. Get that in fine and fine print there, right? Yeah. Like, let's go. Come on, Munkin's gonna have this aerial attack going and implementing all kinds of tricks and gadgets and and stuff up his sleeve. So, before we close, I, I wanted to get to uh, Mal's uh, official call. I'm waiting for it to download. It's kind of a big video. So, why don't we finish there? But while we do that, I can. Um, I can pronounce his name one more time if I can get this thing right. Let's see. Malisol. Malisol. Oh, I keep forgetting about the uh. Malisola. Malisola. Amuvai. Laulu. You are cracking How me up. How is Jerry going to do this? How is Jerry going to do this? This is like the fifth time you've tried on this live broadcast. I love you so much. Like you are so determined and it's just cracking me up every time you try. So mad. I pride myself off this. Like Malaisala. See, they Amubai. are saying he goes by Sala. That's what I thought I saw. I'm calling him Sala. Let's listen to what EDC called him during the call. How about that? Is it Sala? Yes, sir. 
Hey, it's Eric DaCosta with the Baltimore Ravens. How are you, man? Oh, uh, doing great. Just uh, uh, with my family. <laughs> That's awesome. Been a long day for you? Almost definitely. Uh, hungry. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, you're going to be happy because we're going to draft you. Um, Really, really like the way you play. Joe D, our offensive line coach, I think he was on a Zoom call with you a couple weeks ago. Oh, yes, and, sir. Uh, I love him. He, uh, <laughs> you, you loved him? He loved you, yes, too. Sir. So, oh, so marriage you. made in heaven. Um, <laughs> you, uh, you're a heck of a player. You know, you're big. Uh, one thing I learned from Ozzie Newsom, uh, my former boss, he loves big guys. And, oh, uh, well, and you're, you're big and athletic. So... We want you to start knocking people off the ball. Uh, okay? I got you guys. <laughs> I won't you got us? Yes, I know that. I know that. <laughs> so we're going to turn it in. I'm going to let you talk, talk to uh, Coach Harbaugh. And then uh, we got Joe D here too, and he wants to say hello. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. <laughs> You're going to be on TV pretty quickly, okay? Here's yes, Coach sir. Harbaugh. Congrats. Yes, sir. Thank you. Hey, Sala, congratulations, man. Hey, Coach. Uh, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. <laughs> we're thrilled. Can't wait to go to work. I'm gonna give you Joe D, then you guys can watch it on TV and celebrate. Here's Joe D. <laughs> yes, sir. All right, man. See you soon. Sella. Sella. Coach D. Hey, Coach. How about it, man? Oh, man, I'm, I'm excited. I'm with the family. <laughs> That's fantastic. Congratulations to you and your family. You worked hard, man. You, you, it's been a good journey, but now you're gonna have a new opportunity coming here. We're looking forward to having you here. Thanks, Coach. Can't wait. All right, man. Well, when you get here, we'll start to work and keep on grinding, okay? Yes, sir. All right, Coach. All right. Yes, sir, bud. Okay? You do good. Enjoy. Have a good have a good night. Yes, sir. I'll talk to you later. I'm going to call you back in a little bit later, okay? Thanks, Allah. Bye-bye. there just a just a review six six three seventeen out of Oregon a developmental tackle but boy is he soft-spoken <laughs> he was soft-spoken I couldn't tell if it was him or somebody else I was like was that Sala who just went from being soft-spoken to screaming or was that somebody else and they came out I, I you couldn't know. tell what was going on I couldn't I, even I, see him in the camera I'm like where is he <laughs> yeah I love that though, man. There's nothing that gets me more than when like a family embraces, cause you know, the whole family makes sacrifices and then he's got that baby in his arms. Oh my gosh. These things get me just to see people's dreams come true. How can you not love that? Oh, so good. Yeah. Yeah. Takes a village, you know, it takes a village. And when you're surrounded by family in the best moment of your life, there, there is nothing better than that. So figured that'd be a great way 
to finish things off. We've gone for over an hour and 40 minutes. Again, this was an impromptu live stream that we've done on both day two and day three. And I think we have a lot of thank yous to give out right now because we just had a heck of a stretch in terms of record viewership, um, record engagement, record interaction, um, an amazing headlining guest on Thursday night in Roquan Smith, the cornerstone piece of this defense for the next five years. And, uh, and so much in between, you know, the support of local small businesses, we, we maxed out our inventory on draft night in, in under 24 hours. We hope to continue to work and, and support the local business community, both in Baltimore and beyond. And, um, and if you're interested in, in, in hitting us up on that, you know, we can be reached via email at Baltimore Ravens vault at gmail.com. You can also check out what we're offering as we always say, um, uh, on Patreon by visiting patreon.com forward slash Ravens vault podcast, as you see on the screen. Uh, but I'm sure I've missed a few things, Sarah, you know, we, we've just, it's, you got to get in here because it's been, um, it's been a heck of a three days. <laughs> it's been a heck of a three days. My head's a little bit cloudy, so I don't even know if I made sense in this one. Uh, so yeah, I just feel, I feel cloudy, but, um, but it's, it's been great. There was a comment in here that I just lost that I thought was I was like, oh, I was going to call that out. Oh, man, I lost my thought. But um, well, why don't you find that? Because Michael okay. Porter just just chimed in with that was it. That was the 10K one K subs this year. Yeah. And, that, and that we, was, we hope yes. to, you know, we hope to as, as a vault podcast. And those of you who who've been following along, you know that we repurpose our content daily to go from audio only wherever you get your shows to YouTube, because we feel like YouTube is our future. You know, we'd love to one day be, you know, full time on YouTube Monday through Friday. We'll see if that comes one day. Uh, but in order to do that, we need we need your support. So if you've been enjoying our content, you like what we're doing, maybe you listen to us on audio only and you haven't subscribed yet to the YouTube channel, please consider doing so. That'll help us continue to be discovered by other Ravens fans, other NFL fans, or if it's vice versa and you only hang with us on YouTube consider checking out what we're doing. There are some mailbag episodes, some other big picture, long form episodes that we only offer on audio only. So there is some things that you could potentially be missing if you were only on YouTube. So uh, thank you, Michael, for calling that out because we're closing in on, on 7,000 and we'd like to be by, we'd like to be at 10 K by the start of the season. I don't think that's honestly, I don't think that's all that big of a task. I'll listen to you. I like it. No, that's, that's the exact one that I was going to get. And I was like, how did I lose my train of thought? That was exactly the one. Um, we have said this from the start. So YouTube is different from Twitter, but I just know that like when I left the Ravens and I was there for 13 years, I had like, you know, maybe 4,000 followers. It takes forever to get your first 10,000 forever. But once you do, that's when like word really starts to spread. Cause that's when people actually share things and it becomes more organic and all those types of things. And so from the beginning, our kind of offline goal has been like, can we get to 10,000 in the first year? And so we're gonna be cutting it close. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough. I don't know if we can do it in exactly a year because year would be um, training camp. I think we're gonna need training camp to hit hit it. Um, but but um, 10,000 has always been the goal in year one. And then I know from there, it'll it'll just start to, to, to grow much faster. But you talked about all the things like the metrics that we hid in, in records and whatever. And I wish that we had written down how many subs we had before this weekend. But looking at it today, I feel like we've gained 
maybe 350, maybe 400 over the weekend. And so we just appreciate everybody. If you've shared our stuff, if you've hit the like button, if you've subscribed, um, it means the world because that type of stuff um, just helps us to be able to keep doing this. Like I've said a million times, we're a two person show, but I mean, it's really Bobby. It is Bobby. Like you have me on the camera, but everything off the camera, it is Bobby, 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 Bobby. He's been up. I've been to bed like at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. this week. Bobby's been going till 6 a.m. I'm not joking. Because after I go to bed, he's editing it. He's putting it up. He's putting it everywhere. He's putting on headlines. He's tagging it. He's doing everything. Everything. It is Bobby who is like pushing. Bobby's the one who's doing all the ads and slotting it in and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you are just a machine, my friend. And I really hope there's no big news tomorrow because I'd really like to take the day off. <laughs> I know. Seriously, thank you know, thank you so much, obviously, for for talking yeah. me up. But the beauty of it, like we said last night, is you know, we we need each other. We we love each other, you know, and and your content goes unmatched. So, you know, the learning process that that I've been able to enjoy, you know, through you and your expertise with over a decade with the organization, I, there's not a day goes by that I don't feel immense gratitude for the timing, the alignment, the way things worked out. You know, everybody, I got to keep reminding everybody when I called Sarah to pitch her first and foremost, I had already talked to our podcasting distribution company. Okay. I had already pitched her. She may not even know this until now. You may not know this. I had literally already put together a presentation on what I felt like we could be, what I was envisioning. And so when I came to you and, and talked to you about it on the phone, and we still have yet to meet in person, which is hilarious. Hopefully we can get that out of the way this summer. Um, you were adamant, adamant that you were not doing a daily show. And I didn't even have plans to do a daily show. I wanted to be all in on YouTube, all in on these other opportunities. The radio stations in town were still hitting me up. I was, I was considering joining the fan, which I, I, I chose not to do. Um, cause I, I'm just too, I can't justify adding other stuff to my plate because of what we're building. And, and yet you were so gung ho from the jump that we weren't going to do a daily. And then if you guys know Sarah, like I do, when she sinks her teeth into something and and starts to to see a vision and and works well with a partner, we work well together. Oh, the intensity clicked, and it's like your <laughs> your hunger. You got that itch back, right? It's been you left the organization in 2018, right, to move to Columbus yeah. with your family, and I feel like it was four years worth of like hunger and desire and, and that itch that you'd been just chomping at the bit to get back into it. Obviously you'd, you've continued to build your Twitter since the day that you left. And it's one of the best Ravens Twitter follows out there, but you needed a little something more. And I was able to <laughs> hopefully give that to you. <laughs> I like how you put that whole story like together for me. I'm chomping at the bit for four years. Like that's, see, we're storytellers. I said that though, Bobby, because I legitimately love motherhood. I love it. And my kids are in a, you know, cause you're calling all the time when they're in the room or whatever. My family brings me immense joy, immense joy. But it's just this idea, like if you're going to do something, you got to do it as great as you can. You got to shoot to be great. So I just want to be a great mom. And then if I'm going to do this, we got to have a great show. So 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's been cool too. Like, you know, just to kind of pull back the curtain and, and everybody, I mean, the, the amount of response here is, is, is pretty cool. You know, thanks everybody for, I know it's been a couple of minutes now of non Ravens related content, right, but uh, I just feel like, you know, we, we are, we are humans, you know, we're, we're humans and uh, we, we have lives outside of what we're doing here. And it's been so cool to literally personally get to know through our daily conference call when you're doing your motherly duties, you know, I, I know you're, I feel like I know your kids, you know, and it's just been, it's been awesome. You, you know, my dog Tilly, you know, I mean, it's just been your siblings, your parents, I got fun. it all down. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. When I was home over the summer, I mean, it's just been, it's been a lot of fun. So yeah, I mean, look at everybody. Everybody's just, you, we, we hear and read all this guys. I mean, it's been, it's been so cool. So, so thank you for, for checking us out tonight on Saturday. Again, we, we tentatively right now have plans of, of, are we going to, are we going to take Sunday off? Meaning no morning vault on Monday. Is that what we're going with? If, if there's no big news, if there's no big news, I'd like to, we've put up, you know, a four hour show Thursday plus two extra small snippets. We put up a two hour show yesterday with a one more small snippet. We'll have by the end of us talking about each other forever and how much we love each other. Uh, we'll have put up this two hour show. And so, uh, yeah, unless like, you know, they go and sign, you know, Marcus, well, that won't happen until Monday anyway. So, uh, personally, I'd like to, I'd like to hang out with the fam a little bit tomorrow. So yeah. let's do that. We'll obviously continue to follow things and we'll pivot if need be. But the next time that you'll hear from us is Tuesday morning, Tuesday's morning vault again. Thank you so much for three straight days of coverage on Thursday night. We hit a new personal record just to finish with this. We had over 1400 peak concurrent viewers with us and it was right when Roquan Smith was on with us so we made a great first impression with Roquan we hope to continue having a relationship maybe even a partnership with him come fall we're exploring all options that are on the table and uh let's let, let's continue building this because uh we hope that you know you're fired you're as fired up as we are uh if you haven't already figured that out over the last couple of minutes we're pretty obsessed about what we're doing so um all right, Sarah, for, for my partner, Sarah Ellison, I am Bobby Trossett signing off from day three of the 2023 NFL draft. Hopefully we just covered every single aspect of it for you. Again, next week will be about crossing all our T's, dotting the I's, player profiles, digging into big picture items following a potential Lamar Jackson contract extension press conference, potential signings at cornerback and everything else in the middle. So thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And thanks for hanging out with us inside the vault. Yeah.